This is the Well-Connected Twin Cities podcast, bringing you conversations about holistic health and wellness with local voices, so you can get to know the incredible experts we have access to right here in the Twin Cities. Have you heard about our new on-demand classes? You can learn from local experts in a variety of holistic wellness topics, from homeopathy to breathwork, yoga to cooking. There's a ton of exciting topics to peruse, and you can find it all on our website. Each class is only $30, and you will have lifetime access to the recordings, printable materials, and be able to learn and implement some new things into your wellness practice in real life. You'll also be connected with these local practitioners and know who to go to if you want to explore these topics a little bit further. Check it all out on our website, wellconnectedtwincities.com. Welcome back to the Well-Connected Twin Cities podcast. I'm your host, Lily Zaborowski, and in this episode, I sat down with Alexia Franco-Patterson of Ola Postpartum, a meal delivery service that focuses on nourishing and nurturing new parents during the postpartum time. We talk about the inspiration behind Ola Postpartum and how she reached to her Mexican heritage and her father's side of the family to find foods that promote postpartum healing and support breastfeeding. As a culture here in the U.S., we don't do a great job of supporting new parents during this crucial time, and I hope that hearing Alexia's story will inspire you to also look into your own cultural heritage to understand what traditional foods and practices were used by your ancestors. Although when you hear Alexia describe the menu, you're probably just going to want to order it all. I know I did, and I'm not even in the postpartum time. She designed this menu with so much intention, choosing ingredients that have been shown to boost milk supply, reduce inflammation, and support parent and baby nutritionally. Alexia is also a birth and postpartum doula, lactation counselor, and childbirth educator. So we talk about what families can expect during the postpartum period, how postpartum doulas can support new families, and some nutritional guidelines for supporting lactation, if that's your choice of feeding your baby. This is a really important episode for anyone who's about to give birth. It is full of so much insight and knowledge into the postpartum period and really supporting and preparing for that time. But it's also one that I think we can all benefit from as we learn how to better support new families during the postpartum period. Okay, I am here with Alexia Franco Pedersen of Ola Postpartum. I'm so excited to have you on the podcast. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me here. I'm really excited to, to have this conversation. Yeah, let's jump in. So I would love to start with your background because you have such a unique background and what led you into um, your work at Ola Postpartum and your meal delivery service. So would you tell us how you got started in the whole birth world? Yeah. Um, it's kind of a, it's, it's a story. It's a, it's a journey that, uh, started years ago. So first I started in the food business, um, at a young age cooking in kitchens and then went into serving, 
Um, and then as I went to um, the U to get my, um, my BA, I graduated in going into event planning and, uh, and cooking, essentially. The cooking part just ended up happening. It was just kind of a, a fate thing, but it actually, looking back now, like it was all kind of meant to be. Um, but I was event planning for a company where we would go around the country and teach cooking classes where I would hire chefs to come alongside with me. And I was kind of their assistant during this time. I handle the logistics of how to do the events and, and um, book the kitchens, um, everything from um, New York to California, we were everywhere. So I had this lovely opportunity um, through a different year, or through a couple different years of working with these chefs one-on-one and helping them execute their classes while I handled all the logistics in the background. Uh, after doing that for a few years, I, I wanted to settle. <laughs> um, we're here from um, Minnesota and my husband and I um, recently got married at by that point where I just didn't want to be traveling because a good 90% of my job was, was traveling to do these cooking classes, which was a lot of fun and a great learning opportunity, but I wanted, I wanted to be home at this mm-hmm. time. So through some searches, I found a cooking school in Minneapolis where I was managing their cooking school. We managed over 500 classes at that time, and I oversaw all the classes and the logistics behind it. I worked with a rotating roster of different uh, chefs that would come in and teaching them what our philosophy was at the cooking school, as well as making sure they're staying on point as to how we wanted to manage our cooking classes and teaching the kind of the right curriculum and, and, and kind of being very, I don't want to say cookie cutter, but very much like this is the product. This is who we are. Mm-hmm. And so I was managing these pieces while picking up lots of different tips and tricks from lots of different people at this point, which was a very informal training, but a training nevertheless, in how to do all this cooking stuff. That was such a passion of mine. While that's kind of like happening in my professional life, in my personal life, I became pregnant with my first son and he was born in December of 2011. And then in January, I got into this funk after I had my baby because there's so much information out there when it comes to pregnancy as to like what we should be eating, what we shouldn't be eating, like what nutrition we should be having to helping like grow this lovely human inside our bellies. And now I have this baby in my arms and I'm trying to breastfeed and I'm trying to like um, allow my body to heal. And yet here in our American culture, there isn't, um, there isn't really guidelines for what to eat or what not to eat to help mm-hmm. boost milk or how to help, help your body heal. Cause it's so much just focused on pregnancy that once we got to postpartum, um, I felt a little bit lost all of a sudden mm-hmm. being 50% Mexican. So my dad's from Mexico and my mom is from here in the States. I kind of reached out to them of like, there's there's got to be something better than what I'm experiencing because I remember growing up seeing like my aunts and my cousins because we come, my dad comes from a family of 11 and I have like 20 something cousins. And it's bad to say that I don't remember exactly how many, because there's so many of us. Um, I'm in the same boat. I have my mom's one of nine and I have like 20, 30 cousins. I don't know. Oh, there's so many. And there's so much to keep in track because there's been times we get together for family gatherings. My dad's like, this is your third cousin. I'm like, I don't know who you are, but hi. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But um, I remember growing up and like, we would go to Mexico often. So we, I, I grew up in Mexico for a few years and then we were back and forth. And finally, my parents 
decided to settle here in Minnesota, to be honest. And um, every time we go back to Mexico every year to visit family, I just remember seeing how my aunts would treat my cousins and how they would have like these foods that they would just sit and nurse and, and watching how their babies would make the same noises when they wanted to nurse as like my, what my baby did and them talking about like what foods were okay to eat and what weren't and what was helpful for bodies. And even my dad, you know, when I was pregnant, talked about certain foods that were, um, helpful for, for like boosting milk, um, production and all these things. And I was like, okay, there's gotta be something better. So yeah. like in reflection in that postpartum time, I'm remembering all these things coming back to me about like what I grew up with that I, I needed to go back to like my ruts and what mm-hmm. that was. So, um, from there, I, I started gathering all the information and <laughs> in my downtime, quote unquote, when you're in postpartum, you don't really have much downtime, but I mean, in the times where my baby was sleeping, I was in the kitchen, making sure something was simmering on the stove and making myself broths. And then my parents would bring over different di- types of meals that were pretty traditional for like Mexican postpartum times. And it was amazing change all of a sudden in my body and in how I felt, um, because I was being nourished better, um, all the way around, not just like from the support of my family, but also like the food, the food was what was creating so much of a better atmosphere in my body and in my home. And then even for my baby, um, I had a lot of trouble with breastfeeding in the first few weeks. And then all of a sudden as they're starting this food, like there was all of a sudden this rhythm, this, this, this way that it, it kind of all fell together. I felt like, and it was a lot of the trigger was, was the food for us during that time. So as I was sitting there, the idea popped up, all the postpartum, how we should be welcoming this postpartum time and how we can actually focus in on the nutrition for um, these new parents right after they have gone through the great work that is birth, um, now the great work that is breastfeeding their babies and at the same time, like nourishing their own bodies. So it was an idea nine years ago and it sat in the back burner as I was growing my family. And then from there, I learned about doulas and childbirth education and everything else. And so I switched gears from out of the kitchen into doula work um, to, to support families. Cause that's always been a, a love of, of helping moms, helping new parents more than <laughs> it's more than the babies. A lot of people think doulas do this because of babies. It's actually, we're, we're here for the moms We're here for the new parents so much more than anything else. And as I was working with new parents, it became even more abundantly clear of this great need in postpartum families of needing to nourish them, needing to nurture them, needing to honor their postpartum recovery and how they're feeding themselves and their babies. That after having this set in the back burner, I finally decided to actually put attention to it and actually make it work and make it happen. And this is this is all the postpartum where we're out here um, just trying to feed all the new parents. Oh, <laughs> so they I love take that. Their babies. <laughs> I love it so much. Will you tell us more about how it works? How do people order food? Tell us about what kinds of foods are on the menu. Just go for it. <laughs> yeah. So a lot of our menu is, is written in a lot of Mexican food. And oftentimes when people think about Mexican food, they first think like, ah, spicy, uh, especially because <laughs> Minnesotans sometimes depending on the Minnesotan doesn't have quite the palate. So for example, like, um, <laughs> one of my in-laws like thinks ketchup is too spicy. So it's, it's, it's a, <laughs> it's kind of different when thinking of like Mexican food postpartum, because a lot of moms right away 
have heard this myth that if you eat spicy food, that your baby won't like your breast milk when it's actually, that's, that's not it at all. So it's all rooted in Mexican food. It doesn't because it's spicy. It's just like the the, the nutrients that come through the different foods that we have. Mm -hmm. So our, our flagships first and foremost are our broths, our caldos. So we have three different broths. We have a um, beef bone broth where we um, braise um, the beef bones, and then we simmer them with lots of different um, types of vegetables. There are different Mexican vegetables that are kind of known to be in broths to help really restore the body. So we really pack it full in our broth and doing that way. And then we let it simmer all day long (laughs) and then it gets cooled down. And then we simmer it for one more day to make sure we're really pulling out the nutrients within the bones and the bone marrow. So that way we are able to jar it up and give it to parents. We also have um, a chicken bone broth where that one we put in chipotles. And this is again, where it's not going to make it spicy, but we're extracting the the flavor from the chipotle peppers. So it gives this lovely bone broth, this beautiful amber color all the way around. Mm-hmm. The now is it like really delicious in bringing it down into your body, but has this beautiful color that comes along with it, which I love about um, chilies in general, that how you get so many benefits from it. Now only just like eating it, but then looking at it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and then we have one that's a turmeric and ginger broth. And this one is great for cesarean birth parents, for parents that are dealing with like quite the engorged breast because with a turmeric and ginger put in together, along with some other Mexican vegetables as well, really helps like it's an anti-inflammatory for, mm-hmm. for parents. So it really brings things to kind of calm a little bit more, especially in that first week where everything feels just so inflamed from, from giving birth from, especially after like a cesarean where there's like so much fluid that's going into your body at that time. And then with engorgement where the breasts are changing the bre- the milk substance, essentially, this is going to help kind of just calm it down all the way around. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's, we have that. And then we have agua. So we have agua de jamaica, which is hibiscus tea. So it's dried hibiscus flowers that we seep on. Um, and then extract and we make a really nice concentration of um, this hibiscus tea that comes into a couple different 32 ounce jars and we flavor it with some agave and a little bit of lime juice. So it ends up being a really refresh, refreshing drink. Mm-hmm. For those of us that don't like it super concentrated, then parents can kind of water it down a little bit more. Or sometimes I've had parents tell me they mix it in with like a little bit of lemonade <laughs> or they just kind of um, warm it up and drink it that way or on ice. And it's a nice like like mocktail sometimes if you yeah. want to kind of think about it in a fun way. It sounds delicious. I love that one. That one is my, that one's my favorite, but I do like things that are a little bit more that make your lips kind of pucker. So I do like, it's with intention that I have it really concentrated because that's, that's where my okay. clear profile is. So that's where I tell people who don't quite like it. So <laughs> where your lips kind of pucker up, you can definitely yeah. um, water it down a little bit more, but okay. it's, the concentration is, is there with intention to help boost lactation. Mm. Um, we also have an horchata de cebada. Um, that one is barley water. So there's a lot of evidence to support that barley is a really good lactogenic food. So a lactogenic food is a food that helps boost milk supply. Lactogenic foods creates the prolactin hormone. So the prolactin hormone is the hormone that gets you to make milk in your body. So when a birther gives birth um, upon the exit of their placenta, sets off the prolactin hormone within their body. And then every time the nurser nurses their baby, it spikes prolactin levels in their system. Evidence has supported that eating barley does the same thing that helps spike the prolactin levels in their bodies. So it's not the reason that the, that a, that a lactation person will make milk, but it's a ways to help spike the prolactin in their bodies the way nursing would at times. So this is our 
um, take on barley water, essentially, where we cook down the barley, we strain it, and then we mix it up with coconut milk. And it's cooked with cinnamon as well. And then we let it kind of simmer and then chill it. And then we jar it up for our families. Uh, we reason we do coconut milk is not only because it's, it's a dairy fruit product, which a lot of lactating um, parents love in that mm -hmm. part for their bodies, but also like with coconuts, there's lauric acid in it, which is going to be helpful for like to give like the body antibodies to help fight off different bacteria within our system. Plus we see it that it also boosts like brain function in babies and development. So there's a lot of pieces that are very intentional about how our menu was created. So when we look at different food, is it not just because a parent wants dairy free? We're looking at like, okay, so what can we do that's dairy free? That's also going to help with lactation. And that's where we see like coconut milk or sometimes we'll do certain things like almond milk because we see the benefits in almonds in the lactating person. So those are a couple of the the, the, the caldos and the aguas. And then we have 20 menu items of lots of different ready to eat foods. These also get, <laughs> again, this is where I can get really long-witted. This is where it gets like really digging deep into lots of different foods. So there are main flagships are going to be barley. So for those parents who are gluten-free, we can easily substitute quinoa because we know quinoa is also a really great lactogenic food. But when we compare the evidence between barley and quinoa, quinoa barley does better for the body. So that's why we try to bring that forward first, unless we have a family that has a gluten allergy, then we can go back and like sit back on quinoa, but know that the quinoa is still going to do a good job within their bodies to move forward in producing good milk and healing their bodies. Lentils evidence supports that as, can help boost milk supply as well, as well as help with the overall like body healing um, after a postpartum, um, during the postpartum experience. We have oatmeal in lots of different ways. We have different um, root vegetables. Now I'm starting to go a little blank, but <laughs> you're making me hungry. This all sounds so delicious. We have multiple different things that have been very intentional, like putting it all together. And it all has like, like we have a pumpkin salsa because pumpkin has shown to like help boost milk supply. We have different tomatillo salsas and red salsas. And again, this is not going to be the flavor profile where you're going to go to like a Mexican restaurant and like, I want the spiciest thing ever. It's going to be like, it's going to be flavorful. It's going to do its job, but it's not going to make you want to go run for your milk or the water <laughs> in the fridge. You're going to be able to sit there and hold your baby and know that it's not going to cause extra like digestive issues to your baby, um, that, but it's going to help boost up milk supply and help heal the body in a lot of different ways. So each menu item has been well, well researched and, and well put together to making sure that, um, we're meeting all the pieces that a postpartum parent needs. Yeah. Wow. That's so cool. So if someone orders meals from you, do you do any yeah. kind of like catering to their specific needs? Say if someone's like really needing to boost milk supply, or if people are overproducing, do you take that into account and, and help guide families towards the right foods for them? Yeah. So in ordering, like parents can come to our website and usually I have parents that will contact me and say like, Hey, I'm, I'm a vegetarian. Do you, do you accommodate that? Or I just had a baby via cesarean. I, I don't know exactly what to order. Um, so usually I'll kind of recommend what are the big things, but otherwise, um, and then same thing like with vegetarians or gluten-free and dairy-free, we can make accommodations to, um, meet them where they are. A lot of our menu items are already dairy-free. So that one ends up being a really easy substitute. Same thing for those of us who are vegetarian we can make easy substitutes. There's only five items out of our 20 items that are made with um, animal products. So things are meant to really meet um, 
each parent and where they are. When we're looking at parents who are looking for a specific menu items for their specific needs, this is where it becomes sometimes a little more difficult because we have a chef rotated menu where I will do five different breakfasts for one week with five different lunches and then vice versa. But we did balance it out to making sure that no matter what week you get, you still get the same amount of nutrients throughout all the foods and the same amount of like lactation boosting foods. Um, So no matter where we are in postpartum, there's still going to be really good whole foods all the way around. If I did ever get a mom that was mentioning that she's having an oversupply, um, there, there are going to be tips and tricks that I'll be happy to recommend to her as a lactation counselor. Uh, Cause I'm also a certified lactation counselor. So I'll give them like tips and tricks that way. Mm-hmm. But a lot of our food is made to like help boost milk supply instead of making milk. So help diminish milk. Yeah. Makes but sense. I see something full circle happening here. So maybe you can put them in the back burner and we can have like a menu item for like how to make milk go away. Cause as like yeah. you see people a lot in the beginning of making milk, as well as at the end where they want to like stop making oh, milk. Yeah. Where I have moms are like, so how do you make like these things stop doing what they're doing? Cause that's a real transition too. <laughs> yeah. That's another <laughs> that's transition. Like so switch. there might be a, a, you know, an adios postpartum at some point or something. I love that. <laughs> Special menu. Adios postpartum. <laughs> hey, so that could be kind of fun. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, so fun. Okay. So when people order, do they order for like a whole week's worth and then they come pick it up or how does it work logistically? Yeah. Great question. So, um, parents come to our website and we have two options where parents can do a weekly subscription where they can do one of two different ways of ordering. We either have our menu is broken up in, um, breakfasts, desayunos, lunches, almuerzos, or you can do both breakfast and lunches. So you have three different options as to like how you want to, you know, make your needs in that way. And then that's broken up even one more time where parents can do it for three days a week or a five day week menu you because we see with a lot of new parents, their partner, the second parent has gone back to work within a week or two. And so Mm -hmm. now we have these, these new parents holding their babies alone in their homes and no one is feeding them. So the goal was to come in, we deliver on Mondays to make it super efficient to be allowed for you. If you order three days or five days that you have your meals for the week, when you are on your own with your baby or your toddler, whoever else is in your home, usually it's a parent with little ones. Mm -hmm. Um, and that way you get through the week. So then when you're home when the weekend where the second parent is home, that hopefully it just gets you through your week essentially. So we can order it for three days or five days. You can choose to just do breakfasts or just lunches or both. Um, And then you can do weekly subscriptions. So that way you can just like hit subscribe and then it just comes to you. And then you don't have to think about it, especially in postpartum when we feel like we're learning so much at this point that we have to keep track of something else. Mm-hmm. This one just tends to be a nice, easy option for those parents who are in it yeah. <laughs> in this early time. So we can do it that way. Or for some parents who want to just do a, a one-time purchase, because maybe it's for a gift for a family member, which we do have gift cards on there too, but maybe it's just a one-time week kind of thing, you know, trying it out and then trying to figure out whether or not they want to continue from there. That's their option as well. From there, all orders, we ask that all orders come in by um, 8 PM on Thursdays. And then from there, whatever orders we receive from 8 p.m. Thursday will be get delivered out the following Monday. And then we deliver out to each of the families. We're here to really 
encourage families to do their great job of just like lying in, not having to worry mm-hmm. to run one more errand because for those of us that have little babies, I'm sure um, you can <laughs> you can go on and on about how difficult it can be to get your baby in the car seat and time out yeah. the, you know, the nursing sessions, let alone try to go pick up something. Yeah. So we make it really easy where we deliver it in insulated um, cooler bags and we just drop it off on the doorstep. We do not knock. We do not ring that doorbell. <laughs> we try to be as quiet as possible in case, you know, mom, that new parent or, or that baby are sleeping. Um, but we will take a picture of where we dropped off your meal as well as a text after it's been, um, set on your doorstep to let you know, like, Hey, it is here for the parents then to bring inside, put into their cooler and just, and just go. Mm-hmm. All the items are put into recyclable plastic containers that you can just microwave right there. There are instructions on each of the things where if parents want to like heat on the stovetop, they can, but usually, you know, what thing work out better is just from the microwave. It comes with garnishments and sides, each of our menus do. So it really kind of adds it. So it's not just like the freezer meal you get at the grocery store where everything is like the same texture of just (laughs) all the way around. But here it's, it's with, with intention that we have really fresh ingredients to get the different flavor profiles and different textures to actually make it feel like someone made it for you in your home. Someone did make it for you, but not in your home. (laughs) So we're going to put it all together for you to make it as easy as possible. Wow. That sounds so perfect as someone who's had two babies. I can think back to that time and I just wish I had Ola postpartum. That sounds so delicious Um, and so convenient too. I love that you just really make it fit into their lives and are the least intrusive you can be on that home, you know? Yeah. We try to meet them where they are. Um, New parents already have a lot to learn. Their baby, their bodies, there's so much. So we're trying to really meet them where they are Mm -hmm. um, to let them feel, you know, nurtured and nourished is is Mm -hmm. what we're going to say over and over because that is so important in this postpartum time. Yeah. What are some of your favorite foods from the menu? Yeah, I really love our broths. So I, I actually make broths here at home for us and our kids. So anytime someone has a sniffles or if I just feel off or honestly, I mean, this is getting a little TMI, but anytime like I'm getting close to like my period <laughs> or yeah. on my period, I mean, there's so much that's about your period and your menstrual cycle. That's so similar to postpartum that it kind of mm-hmm. everything feels off. So then that's when I go down into my freezer where I've made, you know, earlier in the month, I've made these broths and I just, um, heat them up. And that's what I sip on throughout the day. And it's kind of what gives me a boost in my days. And we try to do the same thing with the kids. Um, because it just, it, I feel like it, it really helps with our nutrition overall and our immune yeah, systems. Yeah. Otherwise the items on the menu that are my, my absolute favorite, I love our chick, our chicken tinga, um, burritos that one I make a pineapple salsa with it. And it is, Oh, it makes it feel like you're on like a summer vacation (laughs) on the beach because just like the pineapple salsa with like the warm, like chipotle salsa that's in the tinga is, is my favorite, but tinga has always been a favorite growing up for me. Mm -hmm. Um, a burrito bowl is really fantastic. I love that one. It kind of encompasses lots of different flavor profiles in it. And it's just a good, like mix it up and just go for it kind of thing. Um, for our morning one, I like our um, pumpkin salsa enchiladas, which is, um, corn tortillas that have been dried out. And then we, um, smother it with a pumpkin salsa and then we have garnish it. And then on the side, we have some, um, zesty black beans and it's just like the perfect, like comfort breakfast food all the Mm -hmm. way around. Also the, like the chia, the chia arroz um, con leche 
is really good. So the chile arroz con leche, that one is, again, it's just like has this nice sweet flavor in the morning. We, we pair it up with lots of fresh fruits. So we try to be seasonal in the fresh fruits that we have there. So that one's going to change out often. Um, but it has a nice like flavor of the cinnamon that's going to help with like an inflammation within the body. And it's, and it's an easy one. My kids will eat that. So if I ever have that in the morning, um, I make this the nice thing is about, about a lot of our menu items is yes we have the question like does it feed one or two people it's meant to feed like mom mm-hmm. and <laughs> we have to know that one parent already has like maybe a toddler hanging around that wants to like steal her food sure, um so sure. with that we have enough where it's a little bit like it's one it's a generous one portion because nice. like we know there might be another little person hanging out um trying to take bites or it might be the second parent that's hanging around <laughs> and trying to take bites so mm-hmm. we have some of it some of it that way too Um, but those, I would say are a couple of my favorites. Uh, A lot of it has been really fun. I mean, there was with intention and how we made our menu that we tried it out ourselves. Um, and then we pass it off to non-Mexican family members and then Mexican family members to make sure like it passed a test to make everyone happy all the way around. Mm -hmm. Um, and it was, it was nice to be able to put this together. And those are, I mean, those are my favorite, but all of them, honestly, they could all be my favorite. They, we, we put a lot of, um, a lot of time into how we put this together. Yeah. It sounds like it. And what a gift to people that are in this postpartum period for anyone who is maybe listening and is about to have their first baby. Let's talk about the postpartum period and just help people understand what, what can they expect? You know, do you want to start by saying what was the most surprising thing for you the first time you went through the postpartum period. I know you got into that a little bit in your story of origin with, you know, Ola postpartum, but is there anything else you want to add around that time that was just really eye-opening or surprising to you? Yeah. It doesn't matter like how much you prepare. Like there's something that always throws you for a loop. There's something about parenthood that likes to humble all of us multiple times over. (laughs) every day, every day. And the postpartum is such the, I mean, but I feel like birth is the first like good lesson and how to pivot when things are not going our way and how to learn on the spot. The loveliness about birth is that there's usually lots of people around us to help support what is going on. And even though things don't go according to plan, but then postpartum, I think the part that's surprising is that there's the same pivoting. There's the same kind of hard, there's the same emotions into it. And that how, you know, if nursing doesn't go the way we hoped or how we were healing doesn't go the way we were hoping, um, that we're going to have lots of feelings around it. And yet there's not enough person to person support. And I think I was surprised by that because you see so many people, I mean, it's everywhere through apps, through websites, through social media, everyone's excited about this baby. And yet we totally forget that in postpartum, there is a birth of a parent that has happened as well. And they are learning. They're learning so much. They're learning um, so much about their baby, right? We're learning how to feed them, how to care for them, how to keep them healthy, <laughs> and then learning who they are as a personality um, and trying to to meet all their needs because they're such a vulnerable biologic animal <laughs> in so many ways. Yeah. And then we have us that we're trying to learn. We're trying to learn who we are after this birth. We're trying to figure out where our worth is as a parent, because sometimes we put that into like how we breastfeed or not breastfeed, how we're sleeping, how our baby is sleeping. Um, you know, all these things that seems to be 
almost like a report card of who we are in postpartum when that's when that is not what postpartum is our postpartum is supposed to be a time where we are supposed to be lying back sitting in doing the active work of our of of recovery the active work of resting it is not talked about in the light that it should that postpartum is a time for us as birthers to sit back to allow those around us to to come to us to nurture us to to nurture our bodies and allow our bodies to sit and do the active work of recovery because it's highly important for us. Evidence has supported like how we handle our postpartum in these first few weeks will will trickle into, you know, all the way into like menopause. <laughs> like wow. how we take care of ourselves, like like is really going to reflect how we parent for, you know, the many years to come. And so I think that was a part that was surprising that that there wasn't the same amount of like attention to mm-hmm. the birther. It's funny how when we're pregnant, everyone is paying attention to the birther of like, you're growing a human. You're like, I am. I'm so amazing. And then all of a sudden like you birth your human. They're like, yeah, I did. They're like, your cute kid is cute. I'm like, thanks. What about me? I'm bleeding from my vagina and I have milk leaking on my boobs. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so tired. <laughs> like there's so much going on. Um, yeah. and yet like very few people ask like, how are you doing? How is your healing? Mm-hmm. Instead they're asking like, so how's the baby sleeping? Like that's a report card of me as a parent when how baby sleeps doesn't matter in those yeah. first few months, like developmentally, it doesn't evidence will support that over and over again. Mm-hmm. So why, why are we taking so much attention and putting it to the baby when maybe we should put it toward, toward the human that just birthed the human. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, a nice way to reframe that question that might feel more birther centered is how are you sleeping? Yeah right? Like just thinking about people that are listening. Cause I, I can get the intention of wanting to know like, Oh, how's sleep going in your house, you know, but instead of asking about baby asking about parents. Yeah. Oh, what a time. There's so much, there's so much. And it's, it's all, I mean, to put that in good lighting, like oftentimes we talk about like postpartum, like it's so much, like it so much equals something not good. Well, no, it's so much. And we can support this so much better where it doesn't have to be hard, where it doesn't have Mm -hmm. to be, you know, almost negative. It can be really positive and a really wonderful experience for you to learn about who you are, what your body can do, Mm -hmm. you know, who your baby is and and how to find this new rhythm that life has given you for such a short season. When you can, when you come out of it and look back, you're like, Oh, that was a short season, but in it, you're, when you're in it, feels so much longer. It's yeah. like the pandemic where you're in it. You're like, this is never going to end. Yes. <laughs> look back, look back. I'm like, Oh, that was only like a year, two years at the most. <laughs> yeah. What a year it's been. <laughs> yeah. I mean, have you, did you find when you were kind of comparing your American heritage to your Mexican heritage, do, um, the different cultures, does the Mexican culture do a better job of co- you know, taking care of new families. Yeah. Um, it's, it is, it is a night and day difference in so (laughs) many different ways in, you know, um, in our Mexican tradition, like it was very much honored. It's a very honored time Mm -hmm. to have women sit back and rest and allow 
um, kind of like the elders, so la abuelitas and la tías to come over and, and to take care of, of this new parent and the baby where when breastfeeding isn't going well, it's, it's the, the grandmother or the sister or the aunt coming over and like, here, let me show you, this is how you're supposed to do it. Mm-hmm. Or when the mom, you know, is breastfeeding, she's like, Ooh, this hurts. It's her sister or aunt to come over and like unlatch the baby and go, no this is how you're supposed to do it. And then they help like grab baby, you know, and grab the breast and teach mom, like how to put the pieces together while Mm -hmm. someone's sitting next to her and like feeding her food every like hour (laughs) to making sure she's like, well nourished. And then, um, making sure like these, these, um, new mothers are sitting, we do it like cuarentena is what it's called. So in translation, it's, it's called a quarantine, which is fitting for where we are right now, but the cuarentena, um, is, is meant to be the first 40 days and 40 nights after the birthing time where the new parent, the new birther has just sits and just takes care of her baby, allows her body to recover fully and, and not have to worry about anything else around the home or, or anything else that, you know, that that's like the to-do list essentially, mm-hmm. because the family that she loves around is going to come in and, and take care of that for mm-hmm. her. Here in the U.S., we don't do anything like that. What I try to do. So I teach childbirth ed classes and I, one thing that I put forth often is like, let's find a happy medium of doing something called the five, 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 five days in bed, meaning totally off your feet for five days, five days on bed, meaning no more than 30 minutes um, on your feet in a three hour interval and then 30 minutes and then five days near bed, meaning no more than 30 minutes, um, you know, on your feet again, but in a 90 minute interval. And when you put that math together, it's only 15 days, 15 days out of 40 is, is what we try to push in our classes here because the American culture is give birth, turn around, go back to work. And when you go back to work, pretend you didn't have a baby, um, pretend that your body can go back like <laughs> silly putty and mm-hmm. be able to be better than what it was prior to giving birth. Um, but don't forget to also breastfeed your baby because that's best. And don't forget to also be a good mom. But also like when you're here at work, just focus on the work and don't worry about your kids. It's like this super hard <laughs> imbalance that no one is able to maintain, nor yeah, it's, yeah. it's a, it's a false expectation of who we are as humans to try to do all those things at the same time. Mm-hmm. When we push these new parents to do life so quickly like that, this is why we have so many issues with, with so many birthers and postpartum, we're pushing their bodies beyond what their bodies can actually do at this time. And so we have, so these other health elements that come along you know, years down the road, even because we didn't take care of our, our postpartum bodies the way you need to be taken care of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> so you talked about the five, five, five. I love that, you know, happy medium. If, if you can't do 40 days, you know, here's a nice guideline to get started. Yeah. What else is available? I think about postpartum doulas as a resource to maybe kind of play the role of the grandmothers and the aunties. Do you have experience with postpartum doulas? And do you want to tell our listeners a little bit about that? Yeah. So along with, with running my business, all postpartum, I am also a birth doula, not postpartum doula and a lactation counselor. And so I've worked with many doulas in the twin cities and, and as in partnerships and, and working um, with each other to help support families. So what postpartum doulas have 
the professional professional training to do is to come alongside new parents in their homes. Mm -hmm. So we can be in parents' homes the day they get home from their birthplaces. And then we can be there. Most of the time, postpartum doulas are hanging out, you know, for for sure the first three months, because that's where so much change happens. Mm -hmm. But a lot of postpartum doulas will still do visits up until about a year of age. So we are trained specifically for the healing, the physical, mental, um, and emotional recovery of that postpartum parent, as well as trained in all newborn care things, newborn care development or newborn development, I should say. So newborn care, new newborn development as to what to expect in those first few months and up to a year is typically where we kind of hone in on. So what's normal for like intake when it comes to food and is this color poop appropriate for this baby? (laughs) Are are they sleeping? Okay. Or what are some tricks that we can help them, you know, you know, go into their rhythm of what it's, you know, what works better for them developmentally as well as what's working well for the family. So always look at families and like, well, here's what evidence-based information states for when it comes to parent sleep or baby sleep. How are you as parents sleeping? Okay. So I hear that that's not exactly what we want. So how can we put the pieces together? So I love how you mentioned Lily earlier, the question of, instead of asking, you know, how's baby sleeping, but how are you as the birther sleeping? Mm-hmm. That's the first question postpartum doulas always ask, because we want to know how are you healing? How are you doing? And then once we hear like, oh, this is not going well, then we're going to give you tips and tricks to help kind of bring the family together. Mm-hmm. So postpartum doulas come alongside and are like, um, the replacement of what, what I grew up with, which was like, you know, las abuelas and the tías and the aunties and, and, and the grandmothers and all these people coming alongside you to teach you. We have postpartum doulas that fill that, that gap for, for new families where we come in and help take care of everyone. Not only do they help with education and, and help with recovery for the birther and baby during this time, but we also help with like around the house activities. So we're not going to get on our knees and like scrub your toilet but we will wipe things down. We will cook you a meal. We will finish washing whatever dishes are in your sink. We'll wipe off the counter. If you have a counter of like papers and, and mail, (laughs) we're not going to go through it, but we will organize it. Right. Sometimes the mind feels better when you can see things in a more organized manner, when everything in postpartum feels disorganized, we'll finish the load of laundry. We'll fold up your laundry. We'll put it in its place. If that's what you want us to do. Um, We'll even ask you how you want it folded because some of us have particularities of how we like our clothing folded because it fits in a drawer in just such a way, those kind of things. Before we leave, we typically make sure that the parent has eaten. We have refilled water. You know, we try to make sure we leave when baby is happy (laughs) and not screaming. We help with like bottle feeding and introduction of bottles. There's basic breastfeeding knowledge for all postpartum doulas. There's so many pieces that we can help fill in the gap to make this postpartum period uh, a more enjoyable one and one that is able to be looked forward to and able to really rest better from all the way around. Yeah. Thank you for explaining that. The last thing that I want to get into is lactation support. So you mentioned you are a trained lactation counselor. Counselor. Thank you. I was like, what is the word? (laughs) Um, and you know, you, you bring in the nutritional aspect of lacto or galactagogue foods. Is that right? Lactogenic foods. Lactogenic foods. So do you want to talk a little bit about, you know, breastfeeding support and what that can look like, and then also supporting breastfeeding through nutrition? Yeah. So Oftentimes when we look at lactation, a lot of parents deem it like, oh, it's a 
quote unquote natural process. So it should just work. And the narrative that needs to be really communicated is that it is a biological norm that we as humans can make milk through how our hormones are processed within our bodies. And it still makes it very much a learned skill that we as the nurser needs to learn at the same time as the baby needs to learn. So babies come out with the instincts of wanting to suckle. Um, and yet they have never taken in the breast within their mouth before. And so with that, it's, it's, this is where the postpartum period becomes again, a learning experience where we, as, as the nurses need to learn how to breastfeed, just like our babies are trying to learn how to breastfeed. So with that, I oftentimes encourage a lot of families to reach out and to find lactation counselors or lactation consultants to come alongside them in those first couple of weeks, evidence will support that if we really get breastfeeding going well within those first two weeks, then that nurser can continue to breastfeed for however long they would like to breastfeed for. So the American Can Pediatrics recommends to breastfeed for a year. So for families that are aiming for that recommendation of a year, then having one or two visits in those first two weeks can be so beneficial for the long-term health of the birther, as well as for baby to be able to meet that that goal of one year, if that's what they wanted. The World Health Organization recommends to nurse until two or three years of age. Of course, like breastfeeding at two to three, looks very different than what it does in the beginning. So before we get ourselves like wrapped up into that, <laughs> we're just trying to focus on like how we get the newborn to eat at this point. Yeah. Um, so in their community, there are many um, doulas, birth doulas, postpartum doulas. There are also lactation counselors. They are trained on um, what we call like full-term baby troubleshooting issues. So like pain with latch, I'm not sure if I'm making enough milk, maybe I'm making too much milk. I think I have a plugged duck. Is this mastitis? Uh, is this thrush? Um, you know, able to kind of guide through some of those pieces of what we consider like kind of normal, of course, to us, like we're the people you call when there's issues. So we call that normal. <laughs> Usually when we get parents, you know, what we consider like successful by two weeks, which is like baby is gaining weight, you know, mother and baby or nurse and baby are feeling really confident in breastfeeding. And usually lactation um, professionals are kind of working themselves out of a job. <laughs> At that point, we're trying to teach the nurser the confidence skills of like how to do this, because it should be evidence will support long term breastfeeding is one of the easiest feeding methods in comparison to like pumping and bottle feeding or, or formula mm -hmm. and bottle feeding. And so with that, we're, we're trying to set parents up for success to making sure it's one less thing on their plate all the way around. In hospitals, you can find IBCLCs. There's our international board lactation, um, sorry, international board certified lactation consultants. And those you can find at um, the clinic that provide, that's nurses, go to for prenatal care. They're there with the pediatric clinics or family practice clinics. There's also different resources around the Twin Cities like La Leche Leagues around here. And there's some really good ones online. Um, a parenting center is another place that's really nice to help with like um, lactation support. So there's lots of different places here in the Twin Cities that are really good local support, especially for families that don't want to pay the out-of-pocket costs that is, comes with like lactation counselors to the home. Granted, we're not a high fee <laughs> and mm -hmm. depending on what's going on. But at the same time, like when people are just given birth, you kind of already maybe maxed out. <laughs> so, yeah. so you can go to your clinic and you can kind of do that. But when parents are looking for more options, because I think with any providers that we go to in the medical system, like you'll find someone that totally grooves with you and you love, and you have good rapport with them. 
And then there's other ones where you're like, I don't like you. I want <laughs> someone else. Yeah. <laughs> and so then there's lactation counselors that are that, that secondary option that's not in the medical care system mm-hmm. and is still very knowledgeable about breastfeeding and help support families. They can come to your homes. Even with a COVID world, we can, we're coming in, um, in a very, you know, using all the safety measures. A lot of us have already been vaccinated mm-hmm. so that we were coming in there with, um, safety in mind and able to meet parents in their homes, which is so much easier to meet in comparison to try to pack your baby up and get them in the car to go yes. to the clinic. Right. So going back to like, why we do all the postpartum which is like, we delivered to your house. So you don't have to leave your house. Yes. It's in the lactation counselors. We can do, we can do the same thing. So that's mm-hmm. kind of, that's nice all the way around. I would say for families to, to know yeah. those options. Awesome. And then do you want to talk a little bit about how food and nutrition can support lactation too? I know you got into it a little bit at the beginning, but if there's anything else you want to add around that. Yeah, totally. We saw like, there's been many studies. There was one in 2017 where, you know, if we're going to improve lactation in postpartum women, then we need to start focusing more on nutrition. And it was a start where we started seeing more evidence coming out when it comes to the different types of foods. So a lot of foods can help just restore the body. So first, when we think about like the postpartum birther, not even them lactating, like we have lost, uh, you know, some blood during that birthing process. We have lost fluids during this birthing process. So we're trying to restore that by giving more iron into the system and magnesium and trying to really build up the body well. But then the same time that birther is going to deal with constipation because during pregnancy, like all the internal organs got pushed (laughs) off to the side to make space for this lovely uterus that can grow in such a tremendous way. But then as it starts to come back down into size and move its way into the pelvis once more, then all the internal organs are trying to move back to the, like their quote unquote old home all the way around. And so this is where a lot of postpartum parents will find a lot of constipation to be an issue during the, those postpartum times. Plus, if you pushed for an extended period of time, there's this lovely thing called hemorrhoids <laughs> that happens at the end then too. And so with this, we try to aim for foods that are easy to digest to accommodate the slow digestive system, as well as foods that are fibrous to be able to move through it. It's funny, there was a lot of studies when we looked at like how cows make milk, we we're looking at like what actually helped them boost their milk production. We're making a lot of similar findings within humans and how we make milk. And so there's a lot mm. of findings showing that when we gave cows lots and lots of fibrous foods, their milk production went up significantly. And we're seeing the same thing happen for postpartum um, lactating people, which is great because postpartum, you need more fibrous foods to help kind of move things along and allow the digestive system to slowly come back to place all over again and kind of find its rhythm in those first few days. Plus in the fibrous foods, you're just going to help boost milk supply all the same time. So there's a loveliness that comes with how some foods that are really good for lactation are also really good for postpartum and vice versa all the way around. But yeah, there's, and then there's lots of different types of foods that can be really beneficial for milk production and postpartum. So we have like lots of good proteins, iron, iodine, omega-3s, which are going to be great for baby's brain development all the way around. B vitamins, calcium, zinc, all helpful to really bring the body together lovely. We mentioned our golden star of a lactation food, which is barley. That one is going to be found in a lot of the foods at all postpartum because we see the benefits of what it does to lactation through lots of different evidence-based um, information, which is great. There's quinoa in a lot of our recipes. So we make a stuffed poblano chilies with quinoa and black beans. And that one is, and we, we drizzle some good sauce over it. It's super yummy. Uh, oats 
are huge for a lot of um, birthers to be able to, again, help with that fibrous food, high in iron and oats also evidence that support it helps boost milk supply. So we get a little bit of both happening there too. A lot of good legumes. So we have a chickpea tostadas. So we make uh, this lovely sauce with chickpeas that we're able to smear onto those tostadas and top it with lots of fun stuff. That's gonna help again with both the postpartum and lactation. Lentils are great. Dates, dates we have this. Oh, it's so good. I'm going to send you some there. <laughs> there's these, Please, I want to order the whole menu <laughs> after talking about all this. I was like, I'm not postpartum, but I want to eat it all. <laughs> That's another question. We get a lot of friends like, do I have to be postpartum to order? I'm like, no, I mean, it's not going to make you, the food's not going to make you lactate. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, it's not going to make you make milk out of nowhere. It's going to make yeah. you um, help boost the milk supply that's already like in your breast if you're lactating. But if you're like the non-lactating parent, you're not just going to start like having boobs that make milk. Um, <laughs> you kind of have to have a placenta for that to happen first. And then we can help boost it from there essentially. But dates, the jewel dates are going to be a great thing for um, postpartum women because it helps get the uterus to contract down faster to help with the healing process. Plus we see in all lactating parents, they have a sweet tooth. It's because of the lactose in your milk that you're taking out of your system, putting into your baby. All of a sudden it is really normal that lactating parents just have a strong, strong sweet tooth during the time. And medjool dates are very sweet. So we make these lovely walnut, coconut, uh, date, chocolate cups. So we make a crust with walnuts, which are hot with a natural source of omega threes. Again, I mentioned earlier, the benefits of like the coconut for baby's brain development, as well as the dates. And then we blend these pieces together and make this beautiful crust that we make into little cups. And then of course we fill it with um, dark chocolate and then sprinkle with some sea salt and put them in the freezer. They're so good. Oh, <laughs> they sound awesome. delicious. I mean, they're going to be great in the counter in the fridge too, but like, um, for those of us that like frozen chocolate treats that you want to put in the bottom of the freezer to hide from your other kids, not mm -hmm. saying this from experience or anything, <laughs> but <laughs> it's a good treat to like, just kind of, you know, grab and go. And it's going to meet that sweet tooth where that's that nurser is, is so wanting at this time. So, yeah. So we have, and then papayas, we, I mean, you talk to any Mexican and we, there's a love of papaya that almost seems unnatural, but it's super delicious. And there's a lot of intention with that, especially for lactogenic foods or, or lactating parents. It's, it's going to be hugely helpful. So it's lots of different types of foods that are going to help promote um, good healing to allow the body to do what it needs to do to become restorative fully, as well as helping with boosting that lactation, where if moms are feeling kind of borderline, like, I'm not sure if I'm doing enough here for baby. Some of these foods will help not only like help move the body along in its healing, but also boost it up just a little bit more to making them feel more, more confident in the breast relationship and thus nurse their babies more often, which makes more milk that way too. And it's just mm -hmm. this lovely cycle is what we're trying to induce as much as possible. Love it. Well, I just love everything that you do to support new families and your passion for doing that and supporting that, especially that postpartum time specifically. So thank you so much for being on the show. Is there you. anything else that you want to share with our audience? Any like parting words you want to share? Oh, it, there's, <laughs> that's very kind. There's so much. I think at the end of everything is, is take care of yourself first, that our babies, um, will learn to, to also have healthy bodies and healthy minds and a healthy emotional state. If they learn that first, um, from us as their parents. So as much as we want to put a lot of focus in on our babies in those beginning days, not saying that you should not, of course we should, and that it's okay to give yourself permission to 
take care of yourself first too, making sure that you are physically, mentally, and emotionally well, because then we can give our children so much more when we're coming from a place that is fully nourished first. So take care of yourselves and then everything else will kind of come together beautifully. Love that. Well, thank you so much for being on the show, Alexia. Thank you, Lily, so much for having me. This has been, this has been a lot of fun, a lot of pleasure to talk about these pieces. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Well-Connected Twin Cities podcast. We would love your help getting the word out to more local people in the Twin Cities. Would you take a moment and give us a review on Apple Podcasts? Take a screenshot of the podcast and share it on social media and let other people know about these stories that we are sharing. Thank you so much for being here.